Hello, hello, my dearest peace lovers, peacemakers, friends. This is Sarah Jamshidi with Matin Rukhsafat. Welcome to Peace Mindedly, a podcast show featuring peaceful bridge makers. I need to report that this program, this show, is the last show of the season, season two that is, and we have successfully created about 12 shows for this season. This is um, uh, program number 13, and then we are coming back on February 2nd with the third season that we are actually booking our guests for that season. We are booking filmmakers, politicians, peace activists, and writers, and also artists. So please stay tuned with uh, the updates. We post all of the updates and uh, whatever you need to know on social media channels and also on goldtoon.com, a website I manage with a group of uh, people uh, that we write about um, peace journalism and sustainable living. Peaceful Bridge Makers is a phrase we chose for this podcast show. We believe we need people who dedicate their lives to goodness, peace, and compassion. The world is full of these these peaceful people. I mean, yes, I understand that the world is full of also unkindness and divide and and especially the stories and news that we hear, it's saturated with those kind of negative, negative news. However, the aim for this show for Peace Mindedly is to find peaceful bridge makers and I am very glad to report that we've been successful of finding those people and inviting them to our program for a conversation. For today's program, I could not think of better people than Catherine Lafond and Elena Razenpush, two food experts who dedicated their career to create and develop recipes that are not only delicious, but also good for our bodies and also for our planet. Later during the show, Azadeh Torabi, Goldtoon's food writer, will join us to talk about her Thanksgiving, friendgiving, and family giving plans. I love when Azadi uses many of those interesting phrases to explain Thanksgiving. And Thanksgiving that is. For this program, we are focusing on food because of Thanksgiving. In about two days, uh, in the US, we celebrate Thanksgiving. Generally speaking, Americans believe that their Thanksgiving is modeled on a 1621 harvest feast, a celebration that was shared by the English colonists and settlers, uh, which we call them pilgrims in the United States. And they celebrated this uh, feast with Wampanoka, if I mean pronounce it correctly, Wampanoga people, the natives of America. I am not going to explain the details of how we took lands from the natives and made their lives impossible. But for the sake of this program, we decided that we would uh, concentrate on the spirit of thanksgiving, which is giving thank to whatever we receive and whatever we give, and also uh, thanking God for uh, the resources and for the um, blessings we receive from God. 
for those of you who are not um, exactly from the United States, in the U.S., Thanksgiving usually includes, we, mostly we are talking about Thanksgiving dinner because it's a special occasion when family and friends gather to celebrate this night. And it's uh, mostly a Thanksgiving dinner. And the Thanksgiving dinner includes turkey, bread stuffing, potatoes, cranberries, and pumpkin pies. For the purpose of uh, discussing food and celebration, I have two experts with me in the studio. Catherine Lafond is known for her love of prayer, song, ceremony, and food. She is devoted to help us remember that all life is sacred and that cooking is the act of transforming the sacred plants and animals into nourishment. Catherine has served her community as an intuitive energy healer, health coach, and writer for more than 25 years. As an ex-chef and caterer, she combined her skills to author Seasoned with Gratitude, 250 recipes, and blessings celebrating the greater nourishment of real food. My other guest is Elena Razenpush. Elena is registered dietitian nutritionist with a master's degree in nutrition sciences from the University of Washington. Elena works for Juju Beat, a plant-based restaurant and juice bar located in Seattle. Elena is a mastermind of developing new delicious vegan recipes. She also runs her food and consulting business, Nutrition with Elena, nutritionwithelena.com. Welcome, welcome both of you, beautiful people. Thank you so much for being in this program. Thank you for having us. Excellent. Okay, so I'm just going to jump into the food and ask my first question. I mean, both of you are so big in um, talking about real food and talking about, uh, so we need to cook real food. What the heck is with real food? When we are talking about real food, I mean, aren't any, aren't the food that we are eating are not real? So therefore, we need to specifically talk about real food. Catherine, I'm going to start with you. When I'm talking about real food, I'm generally talking about that which you can recognize. You can see it and its ingredients are, are there in front of you. Produce, uh, vegetables, fruits, um, meats that are recognizable, that uh, don't have foreign ingredients that we can't, um, we can't even buy at the grocery store separately. So I'm talking about that, which grows and raises, hopefully in a sustainable manner to its highest nutrient count. Elena, when we talk about real food, what are we talking about? That's a really good question. <laughs> I think um, it's a little bit hard to, to define it because in fact, like I think if we think about all of the different foods that we find nowadays in stores, they all have something to do with food and it's hard to draw a really hard line and say, you know, this is real food, this is not real food. Um, and I think, you know, some of the processing of food actually does come with benefits. I mean, nowadays we have foods that can uh, have a lot more shelf stability than foods that, you know, we couldn't have many, many years ago. So with that come a lot of benefits and convenience. But I do find that we sometimes get lost in kind of, you know, consuming a lot of over-processed food and only focusing on that. 
And uh, typically when I, you know, talk to my nutrition clients, I really encourage them to focus on food and similar to what Catherine mentioned, food that you can find in nature, food that you can recreate at home and really putting health back into your hands. The more you consume over-processed food, the more you're putting your health into other people's hands. That's why I always tell people, you know, if you have just a few basic skills in the kitchen, it gives you a lot of power um, over your own health. And Okay, so I have, a, I have a silly, stupid question. Um, so I'm from Iran. And in my culture and tradition, almost every, any woman can cook. In the US I came and I just heard this phrase that I can't cook. It's difficult to cook. To cook. I can't cook. So I wonder, I mean, it's just stupid, silly, but is it possible that we cannot cook? Catherine, what do you think? I mean, why Why would you think that? Is it because women feel very domestic uh, labor intense activity that they do not want to admit uh, to the kitchen? Or is it because they are not interested in um, spending their time in the kitchen? Or is it because just such a boring job? Or is it because, I don't know, I just want you to tell me, what's um how how on earth someone can say that i cannot cook <laughs> it, it is not a silly question at all sarah i believe that that in many ways cooking became a chore and it lost its sacred uh, nature that this was uh, an honor this was a gift to be able to work with the life of plants and animals and so for many, I think it becomes, is it my passion or not? If it's not my passion, I let somebody else do it for me and I do what I love more. And so I think that that's one of the links to this, that, that at this point in time, many women in particular, but, but men too, they weren't raised knowing the tasks of nourishing themselves and the that medicine can come to them readily by their own hands. So mm -hmm. we, we had uh, something drop away. And I think it was the, um, the reverence for what it can offer you to know how to cook. Yes. And then in the book, you're talking about adding blessings in, in the process of making food. How do you do that? Do you just take the blessings from the cupboard and put it in your food? <laughs> well, I have to add a little bit of a story here in that uh, I believe that food, and I agree with what Elena was saying earlier, that for me, food is one of our precious first medicines and that I needed to come to a place of reverence for what that daily ritual of preparing and eating food actually is. And the way I describe it is a divine exchange between living things. And so it became not enough to thank my, my butcher or my baker or my, or my produce person. But I wanted to bring that gratitude forward for the sacred life that is in front of me that I'm transforming by, by cooking and, and eating it. And so blessings then became one of the ways that I bring 
my gratitude and my heart to it. And so when I am working with food, I am seeing its history as well. I might be seeing it in the garden or envisioning it on the on the range or in the in the chicken yard or wherever it might have come from. But to actually uh, jump in, in mentally and emotionally, the, the blessings that then have come forth for the recipes, uh, they nurture that reference. So Elena, you are from Europe and specifically Germany Mm -hmm. and then I know that in Europe this is not something at least I'm assuming that cooking is not something to be so cherished so why do you think that's the case Mm, I think this is I think it's a global globally like a change that we have kind of witnessed over you know, the many years, if I think about my grandma's um, position in the family, I mean, she was the one who was at home and my grandpa was the one who was working. And I think we as a woman, specifically just talking about women, we had one particular job, right? And so as uh, over the years, as women have started to also focus on careers and also trying to figure out all of the other things that we kind of try to manage, uh, in one day, we, you know, obviously, like, kind of moved away from making things from scratch and trying to focus more on how can we th- make things a little bit more convenient. So I think that is one big contributor that, you know, we just are trying to fulfill so many roles. Um, but I do also want to say that I think that uh, cooking has become a little bit more popular again over the years. But it maybe has a little bit gone a little bit too much into one extreme direction. So when I actually, when I work with families and I specifically with mothers, I remind them that um, a family meal doesn't have to be necessarily, you know, like an Instagram worthy picture. And I think sometimes we get so caught up with uh, having this perfect meal um, instead of just focusing on something simple and just really good ingredients. Mm-hmm. Yes, very well put. Um, Thanksgiving is a big phenomenon in the United States, and we just talk about food. I wonder, do you know why we just talk about food too much during the Thanksgiving? What do you think, Catherine? <laughs> I love your question, Sarah. I, I think that um, for many of us, we discovered that there was a myth that was being told and the myth was the story of the pilgrims and the indians and uh, feasting together and in story at least now my hope is that we're coming back to a place of thanks and gratitude and what happens so often in family gatherings or groups of friends is the way we appreciate each other is around the table. And I, and I think that that's gone on for forever, but it, it's coming strongly again. And that communion around the table, although this year it's going to have to happen um, often via Zoom uh, in our sharing, it's a big factor. Excellent segment. We are, we are going to have a very different Thanksgiving this year compared to any other year. So I wonder how your Thanksgiving, Elena, how your Thanksgiving is gonna look like today? 
and this year this this year i just spoke with my husband a few days ago and i asked him what should we do <laughs> because we are very social people and we love to um, invite i think that's the fun part about cooking to share good food with your friends and family and this year um, this will not be the case and so he said why don't we just do something else why don't we let's not stand in the kitchen all day <laughs> so we decided to keep it very simple and we're just gonna make a simple meal and we're going to sit together at the table like we do almost every day and share food together as a family and then we'll probably just try to go outside and enjoy the weather it looks like it's going to be a nice day on thursday yes yes hopefully so uh, what are the specific blessings are you going to add into your thanksgiving dinner this year catherine Ah, well, likely gratitude for life, gratitude for the life we have and for what builds life, gratitude for the foundation of um, being able to grow our own food, that, that wondrous privilege to, to raise food, if that's what we do as well. Mm -hmm. Just to, to envision the roots of what we're having and where it comes from. And vision of what we are having and where it's coming from. How about you, Elena? Do you add blessings in this process whatsoever? Um, I think I definitely on Thanksgiving, we, uh, we, we very much try to make a point of like teaching our kids, you know, to think about um, thankfulness. But I think generally speaking, um, what we do in our family and what I also like to teach as a dietitian to be more mindful um, when we are sitting down together as a family. And I believe that a way to bringing, you know, being more present in the moment when you're sitting down, there's a lot of different traditions that people have all over the world. And specifically in our family, what we do, we like to hold hands. And then we have a saying, if you don't mind me sharing it, it's a little bit I, I love that. I love that. But we hold our hands and we say, peep, 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 guten appetit. Nusha jan, itatakimas, bon appetit. So it basically means bon appetit in different languages. And every time when we have another friend from another country with a different background join us, they teach us a new language. And then we add that to our start of the meal excellent so for those uh, of our audience who are coming from arabic background or any other background they can also contact you to tell you about their nushijan or bon appetit and all of those and then and then you can in include in the prayers yeah so much so much good thing is, is happening here okay uh, elena why do we feel too full when we eat turkey <laughs> I think um, there are probably a few different answers, but one particular one is that uh, when it comes to eating food and especially food that we maybe don't eat um, very frequently, like a Thanksgiving meal, we get very excited and, and we tend to eat very fast because we're excited about it and we overeat, I think. And I think we generally, I think we can all benefit from, um, again, taking a moment and slowing down. And then it really doesn't matter what kind of food you have in front of you, because if you, you know, have a burger and fries in front of you or turkey or a vegan meal, just slowing down and paying attention to eating 
will allow you to notice when your body is telling you that you've had enough. Yes. Catherine, uh, would you ever feel too full after Thanksgiving dinner? I think it's very common to have what is known as the Thanksgiving coma afterwards. It, mm. uh, turkey itself contains uh, tryptophan, which can make us feel sort of sleepy, but it's also the amount of food going in and uh, just that overfed feeling, I think, that makes a big difference. It's it's very hard when we are in times of celebration and there's a lot of variety at the table to put in so much variety that you don't feel very good afterwards. Yes, yes. In the Iranian culture, we say that when you are in a gathering and you eat because of the inspiration and because of the excitement and you, you see other people are eating and you encourage to eat. So therefore you eat more. There's a phrase that I don't know how to translate it. So I just, I'm just going to give up with the phrase. Mm -hmm. Stay tuned with me. I'm going to come back. You are watching to Peace Mindedly, a podcast show featuring peaceful bridge makers. So here's the thing, uh, the deal today. This episode is our last episode for this season. It is the second season. Martina and I put together some of them. And honestly, I am proud. I am proud of the programs that we created for this season. So we had an activist who took shoes, who is taking shoes back to Congo, to the children in Congo, and uh, has delivered so many, so many, many shoes to his homeland. We had two philosophers explaining happy life and feminism to our audience. We featured a woman who thinks women tell better stories about women. And then we uh, we talked about girlfriends who take friendship very seriously. And then and then we talked with Muslim scholars who think women uh, in Muslim nations are powerful and we are we are just not showing or we are not portraying or displaying their power in our media and so forth. And a woman who talked about how women in Istanbul conduct their personal desire. We are just going to um, list many of the programs that we featured uh, during this season on Peace Mindedly, and you are more than welcome to, to listen to them. So I, th I think there are a lot of peaceful bridge makers that we can learn from for this program. So this is the last episode. We are coming back on February 2nd with our third season. And then we follow the same tradition. It's going to be every Tuesday at 12 noon. We go live on many social media channels and uh, we conduct our interviews. Our guests are going to be politicians this time. And then also writers, uh, peace activists and, and filmmakers. Uh, we are in the process of booking our guests for uh, season three and also um, many of those uh, informations are going to be posted on goldtoon.com website that I and a group of international foreign correspondents are managing speaking of which 
Speaking of goldtone.com, I have one of our dearest writers, Azade Torabi, Iranian-American food writer, who has taken the uh, food writing for Goldtone on, on her hand for many, many years. I am very grateful for the stories that she filed for us. So if you go to goldtone.com, you search Azade, you'll see lots of delicious recipes Mediterranean from a Mediterranean cuisine by Azade. So I have her on the screen. Welcome, Azade. Good afternoon, Sarah. Good to Very be here. Good. Good to have you. Thank you so much. We are going to uh, talk with Azad about food. And here with me, I have Catherine Lafond, worked as a professional chef and caterer for 11 years, cooking and feeding her family. Catherine was inspired to take her love for food to a new level. And she authored Seasoned with Gratitude, 250 Recipes and Blessings Celebrating the Greater Nourishment of Real Food. The, the book is directed right in front of me and I'm just reading out of the title. Catherine knows about food and she knows how to include many amazing ingredients, including blessing in her recipes. And with me, I have Elena Razenpush, an experienced chef. I know Elena for, for, for a few years. We are friends. And here's the story I'm going to share with you. <laughs> so Elena cooks delicious food. I mean, all of uh, my writers here and my food recipe developers, I mean, I've uh, eaten Azadeh's food. I've eaten Elena's food. I hope I can eat Catherine's <laughs> food because she is in Washington State. State and she's just at the Bainbridge Island. You cannot escape away from me, Catherine. But but here's the story. So I was in one of our friends' house, and then Elena came over with a very delicious pie. I, I forgot what the pie was, but very, very delicious. And then all of her family members just gang on her and just claiming that, are you sure? I mean, did you put our share back in the house? Are you sure that this is not the whole pie that you're bringing to the table? And, and you are in trouble if you haven't left our share back in the house. And she just, you know, uh, explained everyone that yes, 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 your share is preserved and you have your own thing in the house and just don't don't embarrass me. So I never I never forget that story. It was very, very interesting. Elena is a dietitian and nutritionist. She develops delicious recipes. She she taught me gluten-free bread. So I'm still cooking it for myself and for my mother-in-law. Okay, so I am thinking uh, Azade you uh, use very interesting phrases like family giving, friend giving, and so forth. I would love to know what is your plan for this Thanksgiving and uh, what, which one of those things you are going to do. Are you going to do family giving? Are you going to do friend giving? And which one? Well, Sarah, given the circumstances, we have to be a little bit more vigilant and um, careful about how we're planning this Thanksgiving per se well to be honest with you I would love you know how my fingers like you know cringe for making a big spread for family and friends and I do really enjoy when I see people like you know cook, uh, eating and enjoying the meals that I have prepared for them but I should say that my plan for this Thanksgiving is a little bit more to keep it low-key uh, we have been having like um uh, 
thinking about maybe doing nowadays that we are doing everything on zoom why not doing thanksgiving on zoom right so but uh, to be honest with you i'm thinking of um, keeping it low-key for several reasons and uh, one of which is that i can see in our community that a lot of people are somehow hurt you know hit hard with this pandemic and what goes into it and um, I have friends in the medical working in the front lines and I know how they are burdened um, with the current situation. So, <clears throat> so I'm planning to still have a little spread, but kind of like, you know, uh, keep it, as I said, uh, low key and um, focusing on um, your beautiful guest mentioned about sustainability today. And I think, you know, this is a, a key, this is going to be the key ingredient for this Thanksgiving because given the fact that we can't have like, you know, big, big crowds in our circle and I, for uh, one, I cannot make really a big uh, meal. So I'm going to remodify this Thanksgiving and focus on giving thanks rather than making the traditional uh, foods that usually are um, uh, present on the table. Excellent. So I am very interested to know what recipe you are going to use for this Thanksgiving. Hopefully you've thought about that and hopefully you can share with me. Catherine, I'm going to go with you. The recipe that you're going to use for this Thanksgiving. Well, Sarah, I will be choosing some of my favorites, of course. And one of the favorites is uh, called a um, roasted beet, yam, and ginger puree. And along with that, I'll likely... Can you say it again? Yes, it's a roasted beet, yam, and ginger puree that's pureed with a coconut milk. And it's a delicious vegetable dish that goes well with with turkey or whatever we're, we're using. And it also works wonderfully the day after as a cold dip for vegetables. And so that's one of the ones. And I have a traditional holiday brine and thyme turkey recipe that I'll be using. Uh, we had thought about canceling the traditional Thanksgiving dinner this year. And uh, we're only hosting a couple of neighbors. And so I asked them what their preference was. And we agreed that stuffing was our once a year item that we made and having stuffing engraving would be important. So Excellent. that is going to be part of the program. So how about you, Elena? What is, what is your recipe? Okay, so first of all, really quickly wanted to um, let one of the viewers know about the pie that you mentioned earlier, because that one would be a great recipe. If you want to make something a little bit uh, different and not the traditional pumpkin or pecan. So the one that uh, Sarah mentioned earlier was actually a cake. So it's a cardamom pistachio cake. And uh, that one, you can actually find the recipe on my website if you're curious about that one. What is your website? Um, Nutrition with Elena. Yes. Nutritionwithelena.com. Yes. And there's, and I have a, a dairy free version or one with um, Greek yogurt. So, very delicious cake. But um, typically, so um, for Thanksgiving, as I mentioned earlier, we are not celebrating it this year um, the traditional way. But typically, um, my husband always takes over the, the turkey and the meat cooking, and I always, uh, I'm in charge of the vegetables. 
And I love to just, you know, make a variety of different vegetables and provide a lot of color and add that to the table. And it's actually funny that Catherine just mentioned something about beets because that was the first thing that came to my mind when you asked me about a recipe. I love making roasted beets and I love actually surprising people who tell me that they don't like beets. And I love to see the surprise on their face when they try it because oftentimes they have grown up with canned beets and they say, I don't like beets. And then all of a sudden when you actually roast fresh beets and you add a little bit of olive oil and a little bit of vinegar and a little bit of malt and sea salt. Sometimes I put a little bit of cream fresh underneath and chop up some pistachios, a little bit of arugula. And all of a sudden you see people's faces, there's a smile on their faces and, and all of a sudden they like beets. So that's just my favorite. I love beets and I think, especially in the winter, it's a, it's a great uh, vegetable. Sure, excellent. I just wanted to quickly mention for our audience who are, um, I mean, listening to this uh, program, I have Amy Callahan. She is my friend. And then she, thank you so much, Amy, for making comments here. So all the comments are welcome and, and you, you make us hungry. <laughs> all of those recipe and uh, food sharing. Okay, Azadijan, what is your recipe for Thanksgiving? As for Thanksgiving meal, I'm think um, I, I'm thinking I'm going more with the theme of the season rather than the ingredients, as I mentioned earlier, that usually are present on the table. And um, the theme of the season, having the foliage and fall color and kind of like you know orange. I'm thinking mostly orange. I have the uh, pumpkin. I know that I will be making um, pumpkin cookies. And also I have um, uh, cooked up something in my mind. I haven't tried it. I have to report back to you after I have made it to see how it goes. But I'm thinking of Kin's Cake. So that's going to be another one. And following in that, well, I started from dessert. I'm sorry. <laughs> I'm going backwards. But I will probably start the dinner with hearty tomato soup. And since we are not having a big family, I will most likely trade my turkey with a, a rotisserie chicken made at home. Excellent. So I wonder, I know Azadeh from Iran and Elena from Germany. So I wonder if, is there any similar tradition in your country close to Thanksgiving? Elena? Oh, yeah, see me, yes. 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 Uh, what is this? Tell me. Yes, so um, in, in Germany, we call it Erntedankfest. And it basically, it's thanking, being thankful for the harvest. And uh, I have to say, I've been uh, in the U.S. since 2000. So I kind of feel sometimes caught between two worlds. And if you ask me right now, how do you celebrate it exactly? I have to really think hard about it. <laughs> but it is... The idea is to bring food, everyone brings something to the table. And at the German preschool that my little one used to go to before, you know, pre-COVID, uh, one way the school would celebrate it is asking, you know, each family to bring something um, to share. So again, it's, uh, it's, you know, very similar, sharing, being thankful, um, and yes. So it's very similar to to the United States and what we do here. How about you, Azadeh? What do we what what do we? Do? I don't. I can't remember. Well, I think um, 
kind of like culturally fall season being the harvest season we usually have uh, something happening it might not be as stapled and as uh, pronounced as thanksgiving in um in the u.s but uh, we are usually having some sort of celebration for the season and it kind of like uh, shows in the dishes that we make because we usually go with whatever is available in the season so our food changes dramatically from for instance what we eat in the summer uh, versus what we are eating throughout the fall and uh, winter time. I can't think of a specific type of celebration or name one on top of my head right now, but I believe we do have, and if you kind of like, you know, dig deeper in uh, the more traditional like uh, communities, like in Yazd or in the northern part of Iran, where they have a lot of like, you know, produce, and as I said, you know, mainly their dishes are made based on those, um, you will most likely find um, something. As for, um, as for me, who have been living here, like Elena, since 2000, the, 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 the practice is like, you know, when? Uh, Pre-pandemic time, we used to actually get together in big groups. We would take something and um, usually I would make like a, a dessert, like a cake or something. To Speaking of to. dessert, so Amy wants you to share the recipe. So so I'm, I'm just going to ask Elena to do that for us. If you can send the link or send the recipe, we can post it on, on Goldtone. Catherine, in the book, you are keep talking about gratitude and uh, include blessing in the process of making the food. Where this idea came from? Where did it come from? I think it came from a recognition that we get confused of what it is that's feeding us. And when I would reflect on exactly what was happening and understood that it was life giving life to create more life and that I was just part of that cycle um, as, a, as a species, as a human, I'm part of that species as well. Um, it came to me that we needed to honor the truth of what food is and that it, it wasn't all about calories or nutritional count, but it was alive. And then as we have taken it out of the ground or off the grazing land, that it is now being transformed. And so this, this need to recognize what actually is happening when we're eating, when we share food and what all the other species in nature is all they're also sharing food they're also in that process of eating it became something different for me than um, something i could take for granted i can't take it for granted this is too precious and i find in those blessings that it brings us back to a love of the earth and it brings us back into connection with nature how do you feel for these days when we are so disconnected against planet, against animal that we cook, um, we use in our cooking? So 
what what is um I, I wonder how how do you feel about that so i i've tried to study that and track track it back and my understanding is that it takes both plants and animals to to make this uh, a nutritious cycle of life and that i'm aware that there's always something that's dying Uh, that's adding its nutrients then in that composting process to allow something else to grow. And so I do encourage uh, eating organically and raising plants and animals true to their nature so that they have uh, the nutrients that they need to thrive. And in that way, I feel that we are protecting the the health of the plants and animals by encouraging that, that we're protecting the soil for its highest vitamin and mineral uh, so that we don't lose more of the invaluable vitamin and mineral content, and that we're protecting our farm workers, of course, um, and acknowledging in this process uh, that we live on one planet and we only have one planet mm-hmm. that, can, that can support us. So I... I've studied many pieces, but one was raising animals myself and raising gardens myself and understanding that intimate link to the web of life. So I nourish, for instance, my goats, and I would bring them a selection from the wild if they got sick. Um, I would uh, honor their life daily with, uh, with tending them And then at one point, they honored myself and my family by feeding us. And so I, what happened was I stepped into a place of reciprocity with life. And it gave me a different view. Mm-hmm. Reciprocity, if I can pronounce the word. But here is my issue. In the U.S., we waste too much food. That makes me crazy. I am from Iran, and in this uh, in this country, uh, we experienced war, we experienced a revolution, and then there was a period in my life where um, we, we called it coupon, but it's not like a coupon that you use in this uh, country. I, I forgot the term, but basically each family had a certain allowance to to buy food. And it was difficult moments for us. Now I see that, uh, unfortunately, I have sometime become, became one of those people who are wasting food. And I'm thinking, why is that? Why, why are we so much accustomed to waste food? Who would like to go first? Go, Elena. Oh, my goodness. <laughs> That's a big question. And I'm not sure I have the answer to this, but I definitely have noticed that as well. Um, one thing that I have noticed a lot um, when I moved from Germany to the U.S. is that everything is bigger. <laughs> um, our refrigerators in Germany are a lot smaller, and uh, I have never seen such big milk jugs or juice jugs until I moved to the U.S. <laughs> and I think that that comes, first of all, overconsumption. Um, but also um, waste, because sometimes we don't finish things, right? 
and we we lose sight of uh, what we have in front of us. Um, when we have less in front of us, we are focused more on that, right? And um, and I think um, again, also Catherine brought up so many good points because we are so disconnected from the food, uh, whether we're talking about animals or plants. And I think I think it's the case in a lot of countries in Germany as well. But um, definitely in the U.S. And uh, I think because we are so disconnected, we don't appreciate it and we waste more. So I actually really want to encourage your listeners, just like what Catherine said, to just try to grow one or two plants. Buy like maybe just start with one thing. Don't try. You don't have to be a master gardener right away. Maybe some tomatoes or maybe something hardy like a cucumber or um or squash or something like that and just uh, especially if you have kids it's so great for them or if you are not into growing something or you don't have the the space then take your kids to a place where you can see how food is grown or how animals are raised and i think that is a good starting point to first of all be more connected and to learn to appreciate it and once you start appreciating food more you are starting to it it almost hurts to waste food you know mm-hmm. when you appreciate i agree it. Uh, as i don't know if you i mean i i try not to wait i truly truly try not to waste food because um i traveled a lot and i know people people die out of malnutrition or out of starvation but i wonder how do you control uh, uh, food waste in your household briefly Yes, that's uh, actually a great question, and I um, 100% agree with Elena. Um, whether you have experienced the food vouchers or not, you know, um, it's still. I think it's disrespectful to food and to the great medium that God has given us. And also it's a disrespect to people who have worked in that industry. They have like, you know, put their sweats and they have put their, you know, hard work and all their time uh, that they could have spent with their families. You know, they have uh, put it into growing uh, healthy nutritionist, you know, nutritious food for us. So for me, it's very personal. And as you mentioned, you know, growing up during the time that, we really had to be very careful about the uh, amount of food that we could provide for our family uh, and make it kind of like, you know, last long enough until the next time that we could go and buy certain um, uh, food products. Uh, so I am very careful about that. And I try. What do you do in your house? How do you not try to waste food? Um, for me, I think having a plan and make mm-hmm. sure that every bit of food is properly consumed, uh, it's the key. Like when I'm, for instance, when I'm having some, especially with fresh you know, produce, they go bad, especially if you're uh, t- buying organic you know, uh, produce, they go bad real quick. So not purchasing in bulk as if, there is no, not going to be another shopping spree for you to go and enjoy it, you know. Um, I'll try to have some plan of 
the, in the ingredients that I purchased, what am I going to make with them? How am I going to treat the leftovers if something can be like uh, go into a freezer or sh- should it be consumed like, you know, immediately? So you, you, you try to have a plan for us in our household is whenever we, we reach eggs, I am going to cook next food, but as long as we we are not eating eggs, there is no new food. Okay, Catherine, what are the, what are your favorite blessings in the book? Well, I'd love to share a blessing that was the one that was on the wall in our dining room as our children were growing up. And after much investigation, I finally discover, discovered that it was written by Alice Corbin Henderson. And it is the silver rain, the shining sun, the fields where scarlet poppies run, and all the ripples of the wheat are in this food that I do eat. So when I sit for every meal and say a grace, I always feel that I am eating rain and sun and fields where scarlet poppies run. Why do you like this blessing? I love this blessing because it takes us out into nature and it reminds us of uh, pieces to the thanks, to the gratitude that we often forget. Normally we are thanking our God, our creator, that which we think of as out there. This gets it a little more personal to nature and to what's right there that's creating that life to have its form. And so that has been one that I've loved for years. Another another blessing that I think it's keep it simple. Let each person at the table come up with something, but bring that thanks as well to the plants and animals. Um, One that I have at the beginning of the entree chapter is just two lines, very simple. And the circle of life goes round and I eat you and eventually you eat me. And I, I find that brings a smile on my face because it reminds me I am part of this web of life. I'm part of the circle and I'm not outside of it. Mm-hmm. Is there any recipe in the book that you feel gives you this feeling that you are part of the cycle and part of this web? Is there a recipe that you feel, oh, this really speaks to me and this speaks to this phenomenon? Well, Sarah, I have to say I've never thought of that before. I think that all the recipes uh, in some way bring me back to that link because I'm working with life. I'm working with that life that's giving me life. And uh, one of the one of the pieces that I so loved is um, is a Rumi quote. And the Rumi quote is uh, boil nicely. Rumi reminded the chickpea for all that has sustained you was given for this very moment. And that just says it all (laughs) from what I could tell. Yeah, there is a beautiful, exactly about chickpeas uh, in in Masnavi. Um, It's this cook uh, who is trying to cook the chickpeas. 
and then chickpeas is they they are t many of them they are just so angry they're just shouting of the cook why you are putting us in boiling water why you are torturing us why what, what's what's wrong with you what damn and blah 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 and then um, eventually the cook listens all of those complaints and all of those whinings and after a while comes back to them after they cooked and everything is done so then uh, she uh, goes back to them and says this is the reason i wanted you to to be cooked because when you were raw there was we could i couldn't get the nutrition out of you you needed to get cooked in order to give us the nutrition and it's very it's a very interesting cycle that Rumi goes through to explain uh what's the matter with all of those process but that's that's i mean chickpeas really re reminded reminded me of that elena what is your favorite recipe what do you what do you love to cook what do i love to cook oh my goodness i have so many I I have to think of one now. <laughs> I love cooking. I love cooking vegetables. Um, Plant-based is my favorite way of cooking. Generally speaking, just because of my job, um, because I have to create and develop a lot of recipes um, for. You Can know, you take job. me through one of those one of those processes? So let's say that okay. So you want to cook a vegetable. Yeah. And you are thinking about these are the steps I need to take okay. to create. That's ah, okay. I just uh, thought of something. So mm. um, I, I encourage people to to really uh, when it comes to vegetables. So there's two different ways how I like to prepare them. Um, but roasting brings out so much sweetness out of a lot of vegetables. So I really love roasting vegetables. And it's so simple because really all you got to do is put a little bit of oil after you cut it and a little bit of seasoning and then just roast it at a somewhat high temperature, like 450 degrees or something. And then it just gets this nice char and it um, brings out the sweetness out of, you know, whatever you add, whatever you put in, beets, squash, um, broccoli. Um, but I also love making salads. I'm actually called kind of the salad queen amongst my family and friends um, because I always make them really exciting. I don't like boring salads. And um, one particular book I would love to share really quickly if you guys are into kind of uh, experimenting and exploring how to cook with different foods, especially vegetables. It's this one here, the Flavor Bible. So this is actually a book that I use all the time. And sometimes when I make something at home and I'm like, you know, something is missing. I just, it's like almost a dictionary. So you go to this particular food. So you, for example, go to chickpeas <laughs> and you're like, I need to add something. What could I add? And then it gives you a whole list of different foods that make it more exciting. So this is a really great tool, especially if you want to try to um, explore more in the kitchen. You say exciting. So here's the issue. I, I love eating <laughs> and I love eating exciting food. Mm -hmm. When, when I, when I fast, I am particularly thinking about exciting food. Yeah. So in your opinion, what is exciting food? What is exciting food? Um, in your, in your opinion, what okay. is exciting food? Um, I think, in my opinion, it it will always change. To me, what is exciting right now might be exciting 
might be different you know what i feel like tomorrow so sometimes i feel like something sweet and sometimes i feel like um something fresh or baked and so i don't think that um there's one right answer and i think that also shows to me that i would say i'm very much in tune with what i need and what i want and actually you brought up a really good point i think the more we restrict ourselves and i really really try to avoid that for myself and i also encourage um, my nutrition clients to not restrict themselves because when we restrict ourselves for example you mentioned fasting which i understand sometimes it's religious based but uh, that is what we do we only focus on the foods that we cannot have <laughs> and it's uh, it is not sustainable Mm -hmm. Not sustainable. I'm going to come back to the sustainable uh, issue. But for you, Azadeh, what is your most favorite recipe? It's uh, really hard to say because um, I'm a very uh, season-based type of person. Like, you know, I, I would like to listen to my body and what uh, my body is telling me is kind of like, you know, craving for a particular season. But what I cannot think of not having in my kitchen is my spices. Mm -hmm. I believe uh, you can uh, make any boring, bland vegetable, meat, anything. You can make it exciting with the spices that you use. Because essentially, the spices are giving the flavors, the aroma. What I think before you start experimenting, the, the taste of the food is the aroma of the food that is calling you, whether in a good way or sometimes not in a good way. Mm -hmm. um, so for me, um, having my spices readily available and on top of my list, of course, you can tell that would be saffron to give the beautiful color hue and aroma and um you know the spices they are very versatile you can use them for your main dishes for your salad for your uh dessert so yeah the, i cannot specifically say there is a one particular dish that i love to uh cook all the time but the spices i can give you my list excellent excellent catherine did you want to say anything Oh, yes, I'm in quite the agreement here that I change with the season and uh, want warmer foods when I'm in the cold part of the year. And spices are just so critical. My favorite recipes often will be because of the complexity of these spices together. So I might go more for Thai food or Chinese food or Indian food and then come back after a, a number of meals with lots of garlic and ginger and cardamom and cinnamon and all sorts of yummy things. I'll come back and then I'll fix a simple roasted yam with shallot oil. So it's, at that point, I'm just ready for the, for the most simple uh, flavors to come forth and reveal themselves. Very good. We are in the pandemic and in cold season. If you were to cook a dish for your family that serves well with the cold season and probably in the back of your head, you're, you're thinking it's going to protect them against pandemic, what food would you choose? Elena. 
Um, I think especially during these colder months, um, I would recommend a soup. I think it's very nurturing. It's comforting when we cook. Um, What kind of soup would you make for your family? Well, it's actually funny that you ask because I, I ended up um, having a moment this morning to speak with my mom in Germany. And she said, oh, I just I'm hungry. I don't really feel like cooking for a really long time. And she lives by herself. And I said, Mom, do you have red lentils at home? Yes. Do you have some onions? Do you have some mint? I'm like, there's an amazing soup. It's called a Turkish red lentil soup. And my family loves it. It has bulgur in it, red lentils. You saute the onions a little bit in the beginning to add some sweetness and flavor, of course. And it's so simple. Look it up, Turkish red lentil soup. And again, you get like, you know, you get a lot of fiber, you get a lot of protein from the lentils. You don't need to add any meat. Um, you don't need to add any dairy. And then the bulgur, and then it just fills you up, and then a little bit of lemon juice and the mint. And um, I okay, just... I'm I'm hungry. Thank you. <laughs> <laughs> I'm so hungry. It's kid approved. Both of my kids love it. <laughs> awesome, Catherine. What you what would you what would you cook for your family during the cold season? Well, because you were speaking of a of a lovely vegetable dish, I'm going to talk about uh, perfumed red cooked chicken because you can put the whole thing in one pot and just let it cook. And it would have lots of garlic and cinnamon and uh, ginger, as well as toasted sesame oil and sherry and uh, tamari um, and green onions. So it's all in that one pot. And then I might uh, do rice and a beautiful uh, lush salad, a kale salad or something of that nature beside it. But to recognize then I have bones to make stock. I have uh, a really juicy uh, broth to work with that I can add to my stock that has lots of complex flavors in it. And so I can take it for many meals afterwards. What is the name of this food again? Perfumed red cooked chicken. Perfumed red cooked chicken. Because as you cook it, it just perfumes the whole house and everybody gets hungry. Excellent. Azadeh, what do you cook for your family during the uh, whole um, season? Yes. Um, as you know, um, we, we have those thick soups that we call osh. And they basically have um, all the ingredients that you would normally uh, cook them separately. But... I, I would love to make that, and I actually make that a lot during this season. It has got um, a lot of herbs like fresh uh, cilantro, parsley, spinach, green onions, and then you can add uh, your grain of choice, whether it's rice or if you're using barley, um, and then including a lot of uh, legumes, taking the chickpeas from Rumi's kitchen, and um Yeah, it, it comes together very nicely. Uh, and I think with uh, these sort of um, dishes in particular, especially during this, this time, even though we have a lot of time to spend with the family, we still want to have a nutritious meal. So these type of dishes like a soup or Catherine's uh, red aromatic chicken, I think these are great companions for the slow cookers that we have in the pantry. Um, yeah. So you can still uh, make a hearty food, but uh, you don't have to take time away from your family. 
Yes. So uh, I wish I could add Amy to this discussion because she's just making lots of good, excellent comments. Amy John, thank you so much for, for making the comments. Really appreciate it. Please, please stay put. I'm going to come back. You are watching to Peace Mindedly, a podcast show featuring peaceful bridge makers. This show is available in many social media channels. We are on four Facebook channels, on YouTube, LinkedIn, Periscope, Twitter, and hopefully for the next season, I'm going to have Amazon. We are in many social media channels broadcasting live uh, on Tuesdays at 12 noon. This program is the last program of season two. We are coming back with season three. And then the other thing is this, everything is going to be edited and put together as a podcast show and we will post in most more than 11 channels on different podcast platforms you can find peace mindedly on spotify itunes google play apple podcast google podcast or anywhere that you choose to listen to your podcast audio recordings for this hour, we're talking with Catherine Lafond, author of Seasoned with Gratitude. You can find the book on goldtoon.com, the website we manage, and also the website that a Peace Mindedly podcast is housed, and also uh, in many different online stores, uh, this book is available. Also, um, Elena Razenpush manages her food and consulting business. You can find lots of information about Elena on nutritionwithelena.com and uh, her business is Nutrition with Elena LLC. I will try to post her email on this show so then uh, you, you know how to get in touch with Elena. And then Azade is uh, the food writer for goldtone.com. She's a, a recipe developer and also proficient in Mediterranean kitchen. Uh, she is putting together to start her food blog she told me I, I hope that I'm not spoiling but hopefully uh, we'll feature Azade and her food blog on goldtoon.com she's been uh, written for us for many years and now she is one of our guests at the end of every program I ask my guests to share something meaningful about peace about kindness and compassion this is the theme for our show I covered war I I know war, I know revolution, I know many, many wars, and uh, the pandemic that we are experiencing right now really feels like a war. According to the new survey I just looked up um, this morning, during the next two months, the corona cases is going to be doubled during the next two months, and that is very staggering and sad story. So I believe that we are in a sort of a warlike situation and in the warlike situation we always need kindness compassion and peace in my opinion it is it is the only thing that can serve us well during the conflict and for that we decided to um, focus our theme and attention to uh, peace and kindness and compassion thank you so much christine dan for writing to us and we have other people uh, joined the program and they are writing for us when i when you hear i'm saying christine i'm saying amy 
I'm saying um, Bassam and so forth. These are the people who are making the comments via YouTube or Facebook or different uh, platforms to communicate with us. So uh, if you are listening any of those, that's what I am. When you hear me saying the, the people that you do not see or uh, haven't heard, that's the reason they are communicating with us with, via different, uh, different social media platforms. So as I said, I'm just going to open up to my guests to share a prayer and a blessing uh, with us. I'm going to go with Elena first and then with uh, Azade and then I'm going to close with Catherine. Okay, Elena. Uh, so I wonder what would you like to share with us about peace, kindness, compassion? Yes. So I thought about that. You asked me to, to prepare a closing statement and I thought since we're talking about food, I would like to, you know, in, in, a, in our um, culture, we, we are very diet obsessed. And I think, and so what that means is that we are very much focusing on a lot of uh, rules, restrictions, don'ts, you know. And um, I think we, we tend to kind of get caught up in, in, in a negative way of thinking when it comes to food and eating, uh, our body image. And... So I would like to encourage the listeners and all of us here as well to kind of rethink how we think about food, how we think about ourselves um, and uh, really try to put more compassion, more kindness um, or allow us to feel more compassion and more kindness when it comes to eating and when it comes to food. And one particular quote that I always like to to mention, and that is actually from Ellen Satter. She says, when joy goes out of eating, nutrition suffers. And I think that one is such a great quote because sometimes we get so caught up in, you know, all of the different rules that, that uh, social media or society tells us to follow. And we um, categorize food so much into different, you know, nutritional categories and we forget what food is really about. And food is much more than just the nutrients that it delivers. It is joy. It is celebration. It is a way to, to share tradition and culture. Yes, very good. Very well put. Azade, what would you like to share about peace, kindness, and compassion? Especially this time around, Thanksgiving has been always about being actively participating in the community um, and preparing for a season of, you know, joy and um, uh, giving and big gatherings and being with each other, spending time with family and uh, making memories. This, this year is, it is completely different. And what I believe, uh, I personally feel like I am being thankful and I would like to pray for the world is that uh, I, I hope that uh, less people are going to be impacted by this unfortunate event that has uh, surfaced, you know, in this era. So just wanted to say peace be in the world and uh, among people and uh, hopefully we can uh, practice and uh, show it to each other, even though like, no, we are not going to have those traditional type of gatherings this year, but hopefully we can make sure that people in our community are 
doing fine, even though we don't see each other that often anymore. And that's what I could think of. And then now with Catherine. So, yes. Thank you, Sarah. I'd say one of the qualities that I have uh, learned from practicing gratitude is is humility and that I'm humbled by the offerings by life feeding life and recognize that at one point it'll be my life that feeds life. I, I think of how I want to be that I want to be good soil at that point. I want to be the best uh, meat those bugs and grubs have ever had. I want to be equal to the any feast I've ever prepared. And so I'm, I'm thinking that when we do prepare a meal with love and we approach it with delight and reverence, that the, that enhances the flavors and eating becomes in truth a sacred act. And I would hope that it becomes a sacred act in all our kitchens. So our, as our gratitude and reverence grows, uh, I recognize that our ability to to nourish the earth and fall in love with her, uh, that grows that we then nourish our bodies more and fall in love with them too and, and acknowledge that they too are part of this uh, earth. And I would encourage sending a big thank you to the spirits of those carrots or potatoes or lettuce or turkey or whatever you are having this holiday season, that that circulate that whole time as well. And I leave with just this one blessing. Um, Every time I make a dish of anything, it becomes a life made new and it will never again be created in exactly the same way. And that's how I leave room for the mystery. That is the sacredness of the plant and animal beings who offer this nourishment. And so may that mystery grow in all of us. Inshallah. So you can find Catherine's book on goldtone.com, Season with Gratitude. It's a good read and lots of recipe, sacred blessing food and good recipes. You can find Elena on uh, nutritionwithelena.com. And I'm sure that Azadeh is working on her food blog and hopefully is coming out very soon with Mateen. Thank you so much, everyone. And thank you for being part of this program. Thank you so much. Thank you, ladies. Thank you. Thank you. Very nice to meet you all. Thank you.